0: This is Katie Prajan McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. I have a scar on my chin. It's, it's very tiny, um, you can't see it, it's just kind of there. Uh, right at the right at the edge of my chin, this this little tiny mark from when I fell at my seventh birthday party and busted my chin open at Skate City. It was this indoor roller rink in Lake Charles, um, and I desperately wanted to have my birthday party there because on your birthday you got to ride in the big skate at Skate City. And they'd put you in this giant red skate and, and the, the kind of the referee of the roller rink would push you around the rink and all of your friends would, would skate alongside and behind and cheer you on and it was this big deal. And I remember uh, climbing out of the big skate and I still had my skates on because I, I didn't want to take them off when I got into the big skate and I just kind of stepped funny and I, um, I tripped and I fell. Um, and I busted my chin open, and there was blood everywhere, and I was trying not to cry because this is my birthday party, and even though it's my birthday and I'll cry if I want to, I didn't want to cry in front of my friends. And my mom brings me over to the bathroom and, and... she helps me kind of hold up a tissue up against it. And then we have cake and ice cream, and my friends sing to me, and I open up my presents while holding this tissue. And so in all the family photos <laughs> of my seventh birthday party, I'm holding my chin with my, with my fingers and this piece of tissue paper that's that's blotted red from the blood. A good friend of ours, my my parents were good friends with the dentist, Mr. Buddy. He came over to check to make sure that, you know, my teeth weren't busted on the bottom. They weren't. It didn't look like I would need stitches or anything. Just just a good little bandage. What was most depressing about it was that I couldn't play the new violin that I'd just been given for my seventh birthday because my chin was wounded and you can't put your chin on the little neck rest, um, the little chin rest, because there was, you know, this gigantic wound there. I'm telling this goofy little story because... Even at 30 years old, years later, I can remember so vividly how I got the scar. I remember the wound. And I think about it from time to time when I just, you know, rest my chin on my hand or I have a tendency to kind of rub my chin when I'm thinking. Most of the time when I'm editing this podcast, I'm, I'm rubbing my chin, kind of thinking about where do I need to make cuts and where do I need to improve audio quality. It's, it's not uncommon for me to touch the scar and to think about what happened. And I think that's true for a lot of us for a lot of different reasons, whether it's a physical scar somewhere on our body or it's an emotional wound, an emotional scar from betrayal, from hurt, from, from abuse, from, from being lied to, from from some sort of deep-seated grief and loss. We all carry these wounds that have scarred over, but, but sometimes we see the scar or we touch the scar or somebody gets a little too close to the scar and we're immediately brought back to the depths of despair were immediately brought back to that moment where we remember getting hurt in the first place. And that's what we're talking about today on the podcast, that hurt and how to heal from the hurt, what it means to be kind of all of us, the walking wounded. You'll hear in this episode some pretty honest conversations about healing and forgiveness from two people who I think are not just experts in that field of healing and forgiveness, Sister Miriam James Heidland and Father John Burns, But you'll hear from them kind of their own experiences in this realm, both from a ministry perspective and working with and walking with people, but but also in their own lives, what it meant to grapple with things themselves, what it meant to, to go through the process of healing and forgiveness themselves. And I really wanted to interview these two, not just because they're Ave authors, both with excellent books from Ave Maria Press. But because they're friends of mine, Sister Miriam and I had the lovely opportunity to hang out about a year ago in Baltimore at the end of the Mid-Atlantic Congress. She'd given her keynote, and she had a little bit of spare time before she had to go, had to head to the airport. So we went and got tacos um, and sat downstairs at this Baltimore hotel and just chatted and visited. And it was probably one of the most fruitful hours of my life. Sure, it was just friends having lunch, but I walked away kind of feeling like I'd gone to a therapy session because of just the truth that she spoken to my life. Father John and I have, have worked together in ministry a few different times, most recently uh, helping plan the Steubenville Youth Conferences for this coming summer, working on, on the theme team together and got to sit together at, at this social hour at a, a bar outside of um, outside of Pittsburgh just, just kind of talking about ministry and life and, and what's going on in my own family and, and how, how we can all be better at what we do, and, and he just really kind of shared with me his heart his heart for ministry right now, especially with religious sisters and kind of bringing a revival of religious life in the church in America. They're just excellent people. And I think this conversation is a showcase of not just why we all need healing and forgiveness, but how to go about receiving healing, how to go about giving forgiveness, what it looks like to be a person of healing, what it means to live a life that is healed, and to consistently pursue it and advocate for it. This conversation, as with all of the ones that we've had for AVE Explorers, is not a replacement for professional medical advice. Um, And if you feel the need to go talk to a professional, to talk to your doctor, to talk to a therapist, to receive a diagnosis, to go on medication, we encourage you to do so. This is merely a conversation from people who themselves have been wounded and have been healed to hopefully offer some insight and advice on how you can find that yourself. All of the Ave Explorers content is, of course, available on AveMariaPress.com. And this being our last episode of the season, it's a little bit longer because there's just such excellent content I couldn't bear to chop it down. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Sister Miriam James and Father John Burns. Sister Miriam and Father John, thank you both so much for joining us um, for our final episode of Aave Explorers for the season. Thanks for taking the time.
1: Yeah, great to be with you.
0: Yeah. So we're just going to launch right in because everybody knows at Aave Explorers, I'm not a fan of of beating around the bush. You two are like the forgiveness and healing experts in the world today, in my opinion. Um, your talk at the National Catholic Youth Conference was remarkably profound. There were a line of young people out the door wanting to talk about forgiveness and healing. Can you give us kind of a summation of what this work that you've both been focused on has been recently? And, and especially in terms of Ave Explorers, this series has been focused on mental health. And like, what, what surrounding forgiveness and healing do we need to really know here at the outset? Mm.
1: Well, I would maybe jump in first and just say that uh, Sister Miriam has been doing this work, this type of work, for a long, long time. And um, that's kind of how I got into it, actually, was um, as a parish priest prior to going back for doctoral studies, you face all these questions constantly with people in the parish about forgiveness, stuff we'll talk about in the podcast. But before I went back to studies, I went out to do a Healing the Whole Person retreat where Sister Miriam was... Uh, with Dr. Bob Schutz um, giving that teaching on healing and it was there that I saw uh, how much they have done in this area and sister how much you've been doing um, in your own story but also in helping other people and that was really a launch point for a lot of uh, for me to take a lot of the questions that I had from the parish into a couple years of study and then uh, with sister's help throughout kind of navigate some of the practical questions about how do we take the teachings of the church the biblical teachings and then the tradition and and make it um, accessible and and unlock it for people that are just kind of trapped in their pain. So sister, really uh, to you, you've got this, this great long story with those retreats and also your own journey. Mm
2: -hmm. I, yeah, I think it's been a journey born out of a lot of suffering in my own life and just grappling with the questions that we all do of what is the meaning of life and, and what is suffering and is that the end of the story and is unforgiveness or is just chronic sadness? Is that the end of the story? And I think, just delving to the core of my own story and then accompanying so many people, just so many people along the journey uh, was really just caused, a, a just search in my own my own soul. And I've done just a lot of different kinds of, of therapy work over the years and you name it, I've done it. And I, I'm like, all my, you know, my model life is go big or go home. So, mm-hmm. um, but about 10 years ago, I came across Dr. Bob Schutz, who his class was a curriculum requirement for another course that I was taking. And so I just went and it changed my life. And then I began to teach with them. And now I, I travel as much as I can with them full time. But mm-hmm. what I find, and I'm sure what you see, Katie, and what you see, Father John, is that when you talk to people, you know, the tip of the iceberg, when you ask people how they're doing, is like, oh, good, busy. Yeah, I'm just fine. No matter if they're priests, no matter, it's just, it's, but right under that, <laughs> mm-hmm. right under that iceberg, beneath the water is a whole well of untold things and secrets and desires and sorrows and just I think giving people a safe place to open their hearts opens a, just a well of desire for healing and restoration because all of us like St. Augustine said we all want to be happy you know so what gets in the way what mitigates against the happiness and how can we allow God to come into the deepest places and and bring us into integration and wholeness which is what healing is it's integration mm-hmm. and wholeness
0: so yeah so can you go into that a little bit more that that the crux of Dr. Bob Schutz is, and he actually wrote an article for this week of our Explorer. So no, he's great. kind of, kind of giving us that mm-hmm. overview himself, but for the podcast, just like, what is that concept of healing centered in um, mm-hmm. both from like the generic secular mental health perspective, but deeper in this Catholic realm that we are
2: so steeped in. Well, the summation of healing is, is relationship. It's communion. It's Holy communion. Mm-hmm. And every part of us that is disintegrated and, and, compartmentalized is not in communion. And so with that, and you see that in the gospels when Jesus Christ heals, he never heals apart from bringing people back into communion and relationship. So that's the journey of all of our souls, all of us from the fall and all of our own, our own sin and the sins that people have committed against us. It fractures us. So healing is not some fringe movement in the church. And it's not for like those people over there that are really broken. It's for every single one of us, because all of us have parts of our heart and soul that are not in communion. And that is the Lord's desire is to bring us fully into holy communion with himself and with others and within ourselves as well, because those are the main places that we're broken. Um, Father, what what would you say theologically? What would you say also about that?
1: Yeah, I think what's cool, what we're seeing now in like all of the literature, secular and and religious theological, is is this kind of movement toward talking about wholeness or uh, as you named sister there, kind of uh, communion, togetherness, integrity, and all of that is basically a proof of what our as our, our, evidence of what our theology has always said, um, and it's based really in the Trinity. Like all, all kind of great theological treatises, you know, start with with the big stuff with the Trinity. And when we look at the Trinity, it's it's a communion of persons, right? It's a, it's an undivided togetherness of Father, Son, and Spirit, and there's there's nothing broken in the communion that they share. And so, post fall, um, the, the the effect of the rupture, the effect of sin, of our wounded nature. Is that there is division? There are parts broken uh, asunder, parts of relationships that are broken apart. Uh, but also, even within us, as you mentioned, their sister. There's a disintegrity or a disintegration uh, of our own hearts and of our own faculties, you know, our mind and our heart and our our passions kind of fight against each other. And so there's this like uh, what what St. Paul talks about, St. Thomas Aquinas, this war within us, like Mm -hmm. we want to do the good, but we end up doing something we don't want to do, Paul Mm -hmm. talks about. And um, that's a disintegration within me. Like I, I know clearly what's good, but I still choose to do something that's not good. And that always makes me sad, because it's a disintegration. There's this, this separation of the parts or where I'm not in communion with the good and thus I'm breaking apart uh, other relationships, my relationship with God and with other people. Mm-hmm. And so a, a theme that we talk about through healing and forgiveness is, is the theme of order. Um, because, because order is communion. When things are ordered to the way they're meant to be by, by the first original plan, by God himself, when things are well-ordered, there's a peace, there's a harmony, and there's a balance. And we hear that language, especially in secular literature, but it's just true. And you kind of have a sense for it, right? Like when you walk into your house and it's really uh, unclean, disorganized, messy stuff everywhere, there's like, it's hard to be peaceful there, right? And when, when your affairs are well-ordered, your house is clean, things are put together, there's just a certain peace. you can relax. You're like, okay, things are as they should be. And I think in us, when we've been hurt, we just have a sense that things are not as they should be. There's these divisions, this being broken asunder that causes a dis-ease and agitation. And healing is, in theology, theological terms, is, is the work of God in the cooperative soul to move back toward how it's supposed to be, toward order, toward integrity, toward communion.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So So in that realm then of, of healing, there's almost got to be like a I want to be healed. Like a lot of people resist it. A lot of people fight. whether it's like seeking help for mental health, which is, has been a huge theme of like destigmatizing the conversation of this season and then like seeking that healing. In your own lives, um, and this is like we've asked everyone on the podcast to kind of share a little bit, like when has been a moment when you've recognized like, I need that healing, I need to go run to it, I need to find it. And then how has that informed your ministry? Because um, you're both very public people and you're both very out there in your ministry to, to really great do these. It's really quite remarkable. Sister Miriam, your ministry with priests and Father John, your ministry with religious sisters. It's, it's really quite beautiful the way you both have entered into that realm. What are some stories of that healing in your own life? And then we'll kind of extrapolate from that what people can do in their own.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh man, there's so many, but it's, it's just overall, I guess. the. I remember a priest when I was in seminary, a priest saying to me, a very simple thing. And he just said, the most important thing we can teach our people is that sin makes us unhappy. And like, as he said it, it didn't really do much for me. I wrote it down on the napkin and I like sat with it for a little bit, but it it wouldn't leave my prayer. And I realized like that was a lens that I could look back over my life and see all of these phases and stages where I was trying to be happy because it's on my heart. Like you said, sister from St. Augustine, you know, and this from Aristotle, the whole tradition. And, uh, I was trying to be happy and I was doing it on my own terms and doing it in ways that like perpetuated my own brokenness. And so that was in um, unholy and unhealthy relationships, unholy and unhealthy activities. And uh, the further you go down those roads, often you find yourself trying to like dig out or find something else to grab onto that might satisfy that deeper ache. And so I realized I could look back over my life and really see a persistent pattern of wanting communion wanting to be um, with the other, wanting to be well. And I was seeing that in relationships, romantic relationships, as much as friendships, as much as my family. And seeing this brokenness in all of those places, um, disagreement and pain in my family, uh, broken romantic relationships, uh, even friendships that were really just were kind of using each other, or trying to get ahead. And the sadness that kind of hung over my whole story is I realized I wanted, well, I wanted to be happy, but I was going about it on, on terms that did not match with, what I, in a deeper way, knew to be true. And so I came to a place, I made a general confession just after that, um, where I really just looked at my whole life with my confessor, and I said, there's a pattern here that is profoundly disordered that I didn't see. And, and I was trying. I meant well, like I wanted to be happy, but I was lo- looking through the wrong lens and, and medicating with all kinds of broken relationships, broken things, and broken habits in a way that like actually has made me really sick. And so I just came kind of weeping to this beautiful moment of, of renouncing my own willful, sinful past and and realizing that I was in part perpetuating the pain of my own brokenness as a fruit of the fall. So coming out of that, that since then, I've always kind of looked at that the lens of my life and other people's lives is where's their order um, and where's their disorder and how can we repent of the disorder, confess the sin, and then come back to the God who is communion and order and love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm
0: it's profound so finding order in the midst of disorder that you've almost caused
1: for yourself yeah, which is chosen to perpetuate yeah yeah cuz that's which what our I, story yeah
0: we often it's concupiscence right like we consistently yeah. fall over and over again sister Miriam, i know you have a story about
2: this Mm-hmm. I yeah, thank you, Father John. I think that's very. I think it's very similar in my own life. Um, I think for myself, one of the the big key moments was. It's amazing how you can live with such disorder and such trauma and not really have any idea that it affects you. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Of like, oh yeah, that happened to me, but what does it have to do with me today? And the answer is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I often say, you know, we talk about well, why should I look at the past? You know, it's the past, but unless the past is being lived out in the present, which is what usually happens, you know, which is why we get so even upset or afraid about certain things that happen now. Many times what they do is they have these trigger points that go back these roots from the past. And I think really it was, I was a postulant. I was a postulant in Rome and my superior gave us this book um, is uh, came out like many years ago. It's called love is a choice or something like that. And it talked about just the reality of love and, and the reality of our lives. And it was and it was shocking really now. It's almost laughable that I looked at my life for the first time and I'm like that happened to me as a little girl and all this massive dysfunction that I've been living in, maybe had maybe it had a profound effect on me that I didn't because I had a very carefully maintained facade of like, I'm fine. Like mm-hmm. and perfectionism was one of the ways I tried to prove like I was good enough and you know, if I just had all these things in order and if you looked at my life and you thought it was lovable, then I would be because inside it was just really broken. And so I think for me, it was, that was, I had to enter religious life to find out what it meant to be a woman (laughs) and to find restoration. Like that, you know, so the last over 20 years have been a massive transformation of my life. And Mm -hmm. it was, you know, facing a lot of abuse from the past, sexual abuse, brokenness, trauma, promiscuity, addiction, um, even just how I came into the world being conceived out of wedlock, just like this whole story of just trauma. And then how I, how I perpetuated onto other people and myself. And so in wrestling with a lot of deep suffering, just, and I think for me, that's always been a key of my life is just God has allowed immense suffering in my life. And it's forced me to go to the depths. And I, to this day, I I, I will never stop doing that. If I want to love well, and I want to be well, like when Jesus says in the gospel of John, do you want to be well? And I think for some of us, for, I think, there's all parts of us like, yes, I want to be well. And there's other parts of us that are, we're so, (laughs) we're like, I don't know. Can I think about that and get back to you? Like, let Mm -hmm. me, let me think about that for a second, you know? So it's like this journey where Jesus comes and he's so kind. He's just so, so kind, just so kind. And he comes into these tender, the most tender places of our soul where we are terrified. And he just comes and he brings us into communion there and he he heals up the shame and the disorder. And then, then we love well, then our love is ordered. Then we can love passionately and beautifully and vibrantly. And you know, so I believe in that. I believe in the restoration of love and healing and, and restoration. I, I'm living it and I see it. So I believe it.
0: There's, you said something there, like that we we want to love well, but mm-hmm. can we, if we ourselves are walking wounded and we're all walking wounded, right? Like, of course all, we are, yeah. Like nobody's with Mary, that's it. She was perfect. And like, <laughs> but yet even she experienced intense suffering and like, mm-hmm you know, I, somebody asked me the other day, do I think Mary dealt with anxiety? And I was like, absolutely. Like Mm -hmm. maybe not like a generalized anxiety disorder where she would have needed medication, but she had to have been stressed. Like Mm -hmm. stress is not sinful. Mm -hmm. Falling into despair and like not seeing a path forward is perhaps a moment where like one can enter into that, that fall in an even deeper way. Here's, here's my question. And here's where like, I think some people are going to struggle. So we know we need healing and we know we want it, but there's a deep shame sometimes in admitting that I need that help. Like, what's the, what's the first step? Like, how can that person run towards the healing that not only God provides, but that, like, we need to survive and then thrive
1: in life? Yeah, yeah you were saying something there, Katie, to that question that was just, and, and both of you really just referenced this fact of uh, the shame or, like, the, the difficulty of admitting that we're not okay Mm -hmm. Uh, Like on one hand we want to be well, on the other hand we're like scared to death of what that's going to entail, especially because it means admitting we're not okay, but also like needing to dig up some of these things that we've tried to ignore and it's yeah it's just it's I think what's very hopeful in this work, but also just hearing from other people. we're all, like, we're all a mess. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. everybody's a mess. And and that's, like, the beauty of, of this, this crazy pilgrimage is that we're together to precisely, like, by God's will, for the sake of entering into something beyond ourselves, for the sake of accompanying each other toward this, this gift of life that we're, we're called to, which is, entails healing. And at the, at the essence of it, the psychologists now are actually concluding this too. Dr. Robert Enright, uh, who I wrote my dissertation on, um, he has a lot of literature and research around a basic step that has to happen before we can enter into uh, healing through forgiveness in particular. And that step is just coming to face your emotions and admitting that you, um, that you can't do it on your own, mm-hmm. that you, you've been trying to live with this pain. You've been trying to make sense of it or get rid of it or medicate it away or just ignore it. And you come to a place of saying, it's not working the way that I'm doing it. And I've tried it a lot of different ways and I still uh, am sick. I'm still not well. And so it's really a moment we might in in theological terms talk about the virtue of humility, but in in just in Frank kind of simple human terms, it's just a moment of, of being able to say help. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I can't do this. And at culturally, especially for men, but just for people in general, you know, we're kind of trained in a perfectionistic culture and a get-ahead-achieve mindset. We're just trained to, like, not show our weaknesses, right, mm-hmm. and to, to, to really be strong. And, and there's some virtue in that, for sure. It's a resilience and fortitude. But um, it leads us a lot of the time to be very dishonest about the pain we bear, even dishonest with ourselves, to be like, well, mm-hmm. I can't feel this because that would make me weak. And if I'm weak, I'll have to ask for help. And then I won't be perfect. And then I won't be loved. And that's a faulty line of reasoning. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rather, yeah. we just have to come to a place of saying like, ah, nobody's okay. Some people are further along than I am because they've been willing to accept help. And can I look at some of these, these people, role models, really heroes in the way of mm-hmm. faith? And can I reach out and ask for help? Because- yeah. I just can't do it. What's
0: well, like when people cry, what's the first thing they say? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like they apologize yes. for their own emotions rather than like, no, you're the one that's clearly feeling something. Let me love you in that. And it goes back to that, well, oh, good, busy, fine. Like mm-hmm. the glossing over on the surface that you said, sister. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and that's true. I, and I, I love that. I love what you both are saying there because one of the most wondrous things that I found on the journey, which you guys have probably discovered too, is that we're all on the journey together. Mm -hmm. And it's like, nobody, like Father John's saying, like nobody has it all together. And so all of us are learning. We're all learning how to love. We're learning how to encounter the other. We're learning, you know, we're letting Christ into our, that's the journey of discipleship. I mean, that root word means a student. We're continual students Mm -hmm. and amen. And so I think, you know, what I find is just speaking to thousands of people is that all of us, we have different chapters of but we all live the same story <laughs> and we all have joy and, and triumph and we have sorrow and setback and we all have places that we're afraid and all, we all have places that we, you know, desire more in life. And so it's when we can remove that and just say, you know, this is okay. You don't have to. And I think, I think Father Johnny hit on something very deep is because the for many of us, the root, well, probably for all of us, just the root fear of our lives is that we're not lovable. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be perfect. So we strive, we put on these wonderful facades, or we try to book all these events, or we try to be very important. And if if I can just get this or this and this, then I'll be lovable because we're terrified inside that if all that was taken away, if you really knew me, if you knew how I struggled, or if you knew my sin, or if you knew my life, or whatever that is, would you still love me? Mm-hmm. And that's why the identity of who we are, and this is not a platonist saying, as sons and daughters of God, and being rooted and grounded in His love first, that is what the continue, that gives us the, the courage and the strength to keep going. And having people come into our life that mirror that love, that we can be vulnerable with, and that we can be open with. And then they, what they do is they reflect God's love back to us, and we don't have to. You know, have it all together, so to speak. You know, all of us need people in our life who just know us, who love us, who we can bear our souls to, and they still love us and receive us. And that's what makes us whole. That releases the shame, and it gives us um, the ability to keep going because it reflects God's love to us.
0: So, in reflecting that love, and in experiencing that healing, and for, and and but and, and, and this is a word we haven't used a whole lot because we've talked about the healing aspect, and so a huge part of that getting to that place of healing and getting to that place of, I, I become a little more okay, even though I recognize still that I'm a mess and you're a mess and we're all a mess. And really at the end of the day, like Jesus's life was kind of messy. Um, And like Mary's life was certainly very messy. Um, And like, we're almost to Christmas when we're recording this. And so it's like, I've been thinking more and more about like when Rose was born, how chaotic and messy all of that was and how like we had modern medicine. So I can only imagine how chaotic and messy the nativity was. But there's a there's another component to that and this is like that that aspect of forgiveness. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Sister Miriam and Father John. I think a lot of what they're saying is necessary and important and is really the perfect capstone to what we've talked about this entire series. If you've enjoyed this conversation, you'll of course enjoy some of the other chats that we've had on this show. You can find all of the other episodes on Apple Podcasts. And you can also click over to AveMariaPress.com where you can find all of the content that we've created, including the article that we mentioned by Bob Schutz, which is available this week. So go to Ave Maria Press. Dot com to find all the other Ave Explorers content. So, Father John, I really want to hone in out on this idea of forgiveness when it comes to healing, um, why it's necessary, how to find it. And I know we keep like talking almost like practicals, but really as a priest, like what have you seen the power of forgiveness do in the lives of people that you've been able to walk with?
1: Yeah, so two levels, right, of forgiveness. We talk about being forgiven by God and then by about forgiving others and they mm-hmm. they interface um, but when we carry within us the weight of sin and the sadness that sin causes, uh, there's no way out of that without God's forgiveness, which, you know, lifts the penalty that we've invoked by our own failure. And so the, the beauty of the healing of the sacrament of reconciliation is is like the rediscovery of who God actually is and what it means to have a perfect father who loves us, um, even in spite of all of the stuff we do to reject his goodness and, and to turn away from that. And so when we approach confession with the right heart, um, humble and, and repentance but also just um, looking to god more so than getting stuck looking inward realizing that god wants to lift out of us all the stuff that clogs up and impedes our joy um, it's a discovery of like the persistent mercy of god that god is always seeking out the lost uh, and the parts of us that are lost you know it's not just the the one of the 99 it's like what part of me is still lost and god wants to come after that and bring it back into the light So in confession over and over, when we we see people coming back to confession in the parishes or at different events, um, they will always speak of this like inflow of peace, of joy, of discovery that they uh, were basically living like half asleep or not fully alive before, because frankly, they were keeping a part of their life away from God Mm -hmm. and there's no life outside of God. So when we're living in sin, we're not alive. And the discovery that like God wants that life and that he wants to take away the death in us, the sin in us. Is just such a beautiful insight into God Himself. So that's receiving God's forgiveness is essential because there we learn about what it is to forgive and we learn what it is to love unconditionally and what it is to be to try to be perfect as our Father is perfect and let Him do that in us to perfect us that way. So forgiving others is where we really, um, you know, Corey Ten Boom once said something like, um, "To forgive is to discover." Uh, is to let a prisoner free and to discover that you yourself were the prisoner mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that so often we're trapped in these really complex emotions and maybe we'll talk about that here but but forgiveness of another of someone who's hurt us is looking at someone who has done something wrong and choosing to no longer hold them in debt and instead of continue uh, perpetuating curse mindset and and, um, mm-hmm. and anger revenge it's to choose a gift to just to give them a gift that they don't deserve mm-hmm and giving always blesses us, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's a long way to that, but but that's what happens in the heart. When we forgive someone, we we find it in ourselves to act like God, to, to love someone who hasn't shown us that they deserve it, but beneath that to discover that that's a human heart, that's a person yeah. who deserves to be loved and is acting out of their own brokenness probably as well. Mm-hmm. So the two interface really powerfully. And sister, I'm sure you have a lot um, yeah. more to say to that.
2: Oh, that's very true. And I think we know one of the things y- you think of, just simple, the gospel message of when the disciples went to Jesus and said to the Lord, teach us how to pray, you know, and you think of all the things that Christ could have said, he could have said mm-hmm. so many things he could have said. And he, you know, he never wastes words, but at the heart, at the heart of what he says is the heart of the heart <laughs> saying, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And that is a very serious thing to say. Mm-hmm. If you think about what you're saying, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, mm-hmm. so it's true. And I, that it's so profound. It's at the heart of everything. And you know, it affects every aspect of our life, the little resentments that we have, the areas of of grudges, of just like where we avoid people, where even in like, you know, we talk about even within ourselves, I'm sometimes the person that we have uh, the hardest time forgiving is ourselves Mm
1: -hmm. uh, because
2: of just, it it carries just immense pain. And I, something that, you know, I've talked about is like that Father John and I've talked about like in our our workshops together is that I think a lot of times we labor with unforgiveness because we have a profound misunderstanding about forgivenesses. Mm -hmm. And I know for myself one of the reasons why I stayed sick for so long is because I had, I thought forgiveness meant that it was letting you off the hook Mm. and saying like what you did didn't matter. And how many times do we go to somebody and ask for forgiveness? They're like, Oh, it's not a big deal. And it would, I get the the sentiment of that, but it really, you really have to always have to honor that and say, thank you for saying that. And I, I choose to forgive you because you know, there are certain things in life that maybe aren't a big deal, but there are things in life that are a huge deal and those things cannot be overlooked. And so, you know, to really, and we'll, we'll talk about this for a second, and I'm sure Father John will delve into this, but to really forgive somebody requires taking a full account of what happened mm-hmm. and making, you know, a fearless searching moral inventory of what happened in that journey, and then choosing to release our grasp on that person and commend them to God. And that's a process too. Um, so I think many of us perhaps labor for a long time under it because we don't, are we seeking vengeance and justice and in, in ways that are broken and unhealthy. So it just understanding that can be, can, you know, bring us a long way and being willing to forgive.
0: Yeah. It's pulling back layers oftentimes mm-hmm. of a, something that you've buried deep away. Like you've hid it in a closet, you've yeah. covered it up. You act like it's not there, but it's festering. Yes. Oh, totally. It, it almost, it starts to stink after a while. And like, you, you know, there was a, a great injustice done to my husband and I right, when we were six and a half months pregnant, like we just bought a house Mm -hmm. and it was like, there was this priest that, that treated us terribly. And like, I avoided his parish and his masses for two plus years. Um, and it wasn't until recently where I was like, this is not healthy like I'm avoiding Mm -hmm. an opportunity for for grace and for communion because of this Mm -hmm. guy that like doesn't even know I'm mad at him doesn't even know I hate him Mm -hmm. um and so I just like kind of out of the blue I texted him which is like the millennial form of forgiveness and told (laughs) him like like what like what i had been dealing with and we met for coffee and I basically just like laid it all out there in the middle of the Starbucks and weeping we probably should have like done it at like his office or something but and it it felt felt like I was 20 pounds heavier when I walked out because it was like this, I didn't even know it was, it was, and it was a full account, but just like you said, sister. So, mm-hmm. but that's that's scary and it's hard mm-hmm. to do. So father, as a as a priest for a moment, like spiritually, what's like step one and beginning to make that full account? Like, how do we begin to pull back those layers or even just open up that closet door to find what's festering, mm-hmm. to find that wound?
1: Yeah, to, to kind of segue back uh, to dovetail is something we said mm-hmm. already. The, the first step is is acknowledging that we're not okay and then mm-hmm. something has to change um, but but what has to change initially is this this willingness we have to be willing to kind of look inward at mm-hmm. the pain and like get a sense for um, what what is this pain I bear yeah. is some of it reasonable is it some of it unreasonable how do I kind of we can be um rational about our emotions even though the emotions seem like they're just like this terrifying realm of the heart that is tempestuous and unpredictable there's also something of like our emotions are responding to things and events and people so they're always they're they're speaking to us about how we've experienced the world and also how we're remembering those experiences and anticipating other experiences so we can examine our hearts kind of um with, with a certain like intellectual clarity, it doesn't like all take away all this pain, but it helps us kind of look at how we're going to have to treat the pain. And what, what I think is really fun, exciting about right now, like in the history of this question is we've never really, you know, like Christ talks about forgiveness in the scriptures a lot. But he never says how to forgive. He says that we have to forgive in a bunch of different ways and the depth of that forgiveness. But mm-hmm. I think in practice, a lot of people, like you referenced already, a lot of people, you know, like they'll come and say, Father, I have tried to forgive my mother uh, 17 dozen times, you know, and I, I just keep saying it, saying it and saying it, and I'm still so mad and I, I still break out in tears or yelling. And what's going on? And, and what we have right now is like that how psychology's kind of been digging into that how, and it fits with our theology in a really helpful way. And it's at the end of the day, it comes down to just at the very beginning, acknowledging where we've been hurt mm-hmm. and, and letting ourselves enter into that sorrow for a minute mm-hmm. and then and raising up that event before the Lord and asking God to help us understand how he sees the event, why it occurred, how we might be misunderstanding or misremembering and then carrying too much intensity around that. And then there's this way of of walking through that process of beginning to look at the other, not as the enemy, though they are an enemy in a sense, but starting to ask the Lord to show us how he sees them. Mm-hmm. Because beneath the surface of that sort of enemy visage that we face, there's all this pain in the other person. There's all this brokenness. And sister, I know you you quote very often that uh, the, the adage that hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And it's just true. In the end, the people who have hurt us are also hurting, and we've hurt them in return. And the Lord's the Lord's way of looking at the person is, is to look at the, the place where they're most in need. And mm-hmm. so there's a certain way that he can kind of lift our hearts up into his, as it were, on the cross even, uh, and see past what we can see and, and lead us into a way of wanting the other to be well instead of wishing them harm, yeah. which is where we start.
0: It's like letting Jesus into the room
1: is like part of that
0: step because oftentimes we don't, we keep him in the living room where it's clean, but you're not allowed past a certain point. How do we, how do we do that even further sister?
2: Mm-hmm. I think it is. I, I mean, a very easy way to look is like, what is, what's the presenting fruit of your life right now? I mean, do you like, just look at what what kind of fruit is your tree bearing? And that often, you know, what are the things that come up daily or what are the things that just keep coming to the surface that are troublesome or problematic? Those are direct areas where the Holy spirit is, is seeking. You don't have to scratch it yourself or dig it yourself. Or, you know, as we talk about the holidays, are there certain things as you think about the holidays gathering with your family that create anxiety and like, what is that? And I, I mean, something that I just invite people to ask all the time is ask the Holy Spirit. Like, what am I? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Like, what is the what is the root of this? And being able to um, open our hearts to the Holy Spirit and and see, you know, what's because it's always about a root. You know, that like Father John was saying, our emotions don't just come out of nowhere; they're tied mm-hmm. to something very, very deeply. And so, it's that continual journey of of opening our hearts. And sometimes, you know, we don't even know where to start. And just something a prayer like, Lord, open my heart. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I don't even know where to start or I see this part of my heart. I don't even know how to get there. Can you help me? And the Lord loves to be invited in. Like he says in the book of Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock, you know, and anyone who comes and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him. I will be with him. And so even just something like that, of what are the presenting symptoms or what are the presenting fruit of your life right now? And what is the Lord saying to you right now? Because he's drawing near to you right now in every part of it. It's just so, it's so beautiful.
0: Yeah, he doesn't want us to stay either far from him or in a state of turmoil. Like that's not his plan for us. Um, I find that a lot of people that struggle with, especially concerning like seeking healing or even maybe just like common mental health struggles that are, um, you know, something that can be easily, not easily, but that can be um, diagnosed. And then there's like a solution in the secular world that sometimes, like, religion can do one of two things. Like, it can feel like we're over-spiritualizing significant mental health struggles, or we're just, we're, we're saying, like, oh, that's an easy solution, or there's a resistance and a fear, um, because they've already been very vulnerable in another area of their life. And so, like, mm-hmm. why would I, I don't need another person that sees this mess, or, like, I'm too, you know, you often hear people make the comment, like, the church is not a place for me. Like, nobody mm-hmm. there would ever want me. But, like, there's this very profound quote from Pope Francis. Um, he said at the pre-Synod in March of 2018 that like if you're not fully present to the world, to whatever situation you find yourself in, to your family, that a part of the access to God is missing. So like mental health healing and hope and finding forgiveness and seeking and receiving forgiveness, that's not just like for me. Like it, it greatly affects the world. I hurt people, hurt people. When we're sinful and we're living in persistent sin, the world misses out on the fullness that we have to offer it. So, like, where's the hope through, like, not only is it I'm taking care of myself, but I'm also helping the world be a better place. Um, let's let's talk about that and unpack that, especially since you two, and I watched it happen at NCYC, the line of young people that wanted to talk to you both afterwards, whether it was just, like, to pray together, to receive a blessing, to share a story. Like, like there, are, there's great fruit in being able to share our own stories of healing because we recognize that it helps other people. So, how do we then encourage them to find it because they'll then become people that can help?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, to... There's, there's the fact of the matter, the fact that each human being is created uniquely, right? And we're not repeated. Mm-hmm. Um, there really is something to it that, that like there is a way that each person is meant to reflect the love of God, to bear the love of God, to transmit, share the love of God in an unrepeated way. Um, it's, it really is like something akin to saying that that there's a song that each heart is meant to sing that has never been sung before and will never be sung again, mm-hmm. and whatever is the story of brokenness often impedes the fullness of that song of reaching out to the ends of the earth, whether the person is afraid uh, to come to life in the way that they're called to, to live the gospel because they don't trust themselves or the other, whether they feel that they're too broken to be heard or don't deserve to be seen and heard, or they're just not worthy. All of the different ways that our stories of woundedness kind of trap us in a lack of trust, a lack of surrender, a lack of freedom, keeps us from being fully alive, keeps us from singing the song that no one else is ever gonna sing And uh, there's just the, the beauty of this process is really it's inviting the person to sing at their best or to play, you know, at the top of their game to just be fully alive. And, and so um, when we see that in someone else, even in secular settings, we see a great athlete or a great musician, when you see them perform at their best, you're like, man, that is, that is serious business right there. And I want to be around that. I want to imitate that. I want to be like that. When someone's living the life well, the moral life, when they're fully alive, it's just captivating because they have something of God in them and they're reflecting it in a way that is persuasive, is attractive, is, is just dynamic and it draws us in. And so that would be the the ideal is that we would all come to that place of fullness in a way that is uh, each of us is reflecting and singing and playing and, and showing the love of God the way it's meant to be shown played reflected in love through us healing and forgiveness bring us to that place of of not being afraid of the way that we're meant to be images of God here in the midst of of this day and age Sister, what would you add to that?
2: no I would say I would say so much of that, and I would also say that um, you know how the Lord, how the Lord creates us and how his desire, this is the journey of holiness. What what we're talking about today, this is exactly the journey of holiness because Jesus Christ is the man fully alive and we're being configured into him and we're being fashioned and formed into him. And he takes on all of our suffering and brokenness and he takes it on to, to, set us free, to bring us into communion. And so this is, this is exactly how a person becomes quote unquote, Holy is they're allowing Christ to enter, enter every part of their life so no part remains untouched by his love. Mm-hmm. And that is holiness. And it's not, oh, you know, if this wouldn't have happened to me, I wouldn't be like this. It's exactly in the story. It's like the, what you're saying, Father John, like the heart sings and the heart sings in all the broken places and all the beautiful places. that That is not an impediment. Father Justin, my spiritual director, often says, our poverty is not an impediment to God's love and restoration. It's the very vehicle through which he sings. And so there is this shame that comes against it or the, the lies of Satan speaks to us or there's societal stigma or the religious stigma of, you know, uh, oh gosh, you know, I need help here. But the, as the truth is all of us do. And so we, we God comes in, in and restores every part of our journey and it's beauty. So the, this is exactly how it works. People are like, how do I be holy? We're
1: like, well, we let Christ in every, every part of our life. That's how it works.
0: no one's <laughs> ever too <laughs> far gone. Like nobody's ever passed
2: that. Oh, life. no, 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 you know, oh. no, no.
1: And something to add, maybe that's just really important, especially if someone is listening and and thinking, like, "Yeah, it is time that I stop running from this, or I stop pretending like nothing is wrong in my life." When we talk about healing, we're we're talking about an ideal and, and like God's vision for how the person could be in their in their fullest form. But sometimes we get stuck in a little bit of a lie around healing, which is that if I undergo this process. Everything in my life that's broken will be gone and I'll be perfect. Mm-hmm. And we can sometimes like pull heaven down off the eternal horizon and try and plant it in our lives and say, mm-hmm. I have to get life perfect so that I can have heaven on earth. And that's not the case. Like the, the kind of the beauty of the journey is that we, we bear uh, the marks of our wounds. Our story doesn't leave us, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's redeemed. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason that Christ, when he appears, you know, with his wounds redeemed, Uh, there's a point he's making. There are a lot of theological points, but um, the parts of our lives that have been marred by sin, the Lord will come into those. And as it were, clean the wound and redeem the story, bring the whole thing back into light, integrity with him and with our own hearts. Mm -hmm. But we're going to remember the pain and we're going to, we might limp a little bit. um, Mm -hmm. You know, we're never perfectly hundred percent. Well, Mm -hmm. the way that we might think we'll be in heaven. No, There's a scar. Yeah. There's a scar. Yeah. And we, but that's what makes, that's what makes our story as we grow. Mm-hmm. That's what makes our testimony persuasive. And sister, that's often why you're, you're so good at sharing mm-hmm. parts of your story because mm-hmm. um, it doesn't mean like someone who's perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. Doesn't mean someone who's never been hurt. Mm-hmm. It mean, someone who's let charity, the love of God do its work and in turn is living that. And we just carry the marks of our own story in a way that um, is really holy and really beautiful. Once it's all redeemed, and that mm-hmm. in the end is that's what healing is—is is letting God redeem the whole, and, mm-hmm. and yet letting it remain ours with Him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's this like weird movement that's been happening lately on social media, of like that. Unfiltered authenticity. I say weird movement because like it, it happened where it was just like, you know what, I'm gonna let people see my messy life because I don't want people to think I've got it all together. And then it kind of shifted in like this almost this like fake authenticity of like you almost like make your house messy to seem like your life is always kind of a mess. But there was there's just definitely this like through line of people kind of have gotten sick of the I'm perfect and everything's perfect and you should imitate me narrative. Like even the celebrities that have like all the followers and all the, um, like, I this is a very strange connection and really has nothing to do with healing. But I saw the other day that the uh, Kardashian Wests had, uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> had to Photoshop
0: in the daughter into yes! the Christmas card. And I, lo- I told Tommy, I was like, even they have a kid that sometimes isn't <laughs> and like they have to like be honest to the world. Yeah, she just didn't want to be in the picture that day, and we had to put her in after the fact. And like I, I loved that that it was just like this honest realness that I, I think especially like teenagers today are longing for, which is why like stories of healing and stories of survival and stories of overcoming addiction and. They're so, that's why so many kids were at that, that workshop. That's why so many young people run to confession at stupid vote conferences, because like sometimes that's the only place where they're given permission to feel that. Um, And as a mom of a toddler, like we're constantly telling Rose, like feel your feelings, like your feelings are okay. Like, we're not going to tell you like, oh, just get over it. Like move on. Yeah. The movie's over, but like have that moment and like, we'll suffer through it together and we'll come out on the other side. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people resist that though and are scared to kind of pull that back. So so here at the end, maybe like we bump onto each other in the uh, in CYC elevator, um, which my sister is still like holding on to the fact that she got to meet both of you. And she's like, I can't believe you're friends with them. And it's like, yeah, they'll be godparents someday. Like we'll have a kid just for them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we, we bump into each other in, pray for that, we bump into each other in the elevator and like we get into a conversation about healing. What's the one thing, like the one line that people have to hear here at the end of the podcast that kind of give them that hope? Mm.
2: Uh, I would say that um, whatever you're facing now in your life is not the end of the story. Mm. There's, it's not the end. And that Christ loves you and his, he's not afraid and He his heart is for you. So there's nothing that's ever happened or that you've done that is beyond his mercy. The, this is not the end. The, the best is yet to come. This is not the end of your story and mm-hmm. it's worth it. It's hard recovery is hard work, but it is worth every second of it.
1: Yeah. And I, I just would add to that, that um, we don't go into this alone. You know, uh, the Lord has been to the depths of suffering himself in the flesh and he sees and understands more detail about our own stories than we ever will. And so he's willing to enter into it with us, wants to go there with us and show us where he was, why the story has the shape, the texture, the nuance that it does. And he just wants to communicate to us how good it is, how good we are, and how much he wants to, to bring us into the light, uh, to abide with him. We have the fullness of life. And yeah, it's just, as you say, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's so worth it. And if we don't undertake it, we're just kind of carrying around death in our bodies, our hearts, our stories take this journey and we become well as he wants us to be well, we become alive, and, and that's just hope because he has a future full of hope for us.
0: Amen. Yeah, it's a dot, dot, dot. It's never a period. There's always a there's more to the story. Thank you both. And, uh, so much for giving us insights for giving us this this great wisdom I think you guys should write a book about this um I'll go talk to the I'll go talk to the publishers that uh sponsored this whole thing and we'll see if we
2: can create people at what's it called Ave Maria Press
0: yeah yeah I don't know they um we'll have a conversation where can folks find you guys like on social media like where can they maybe ask questions or just like hear more of your stories see your travels Father John
1: yeah, social media at, at Father John Burns. Father spelled out is my handle on uh, most of the social media platforms. And yeah, just around.
0: Up in Milwaukee, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm from the Archdiocese of Milwaukee and I, I yeah Milwaukee. do various speaking travel yeah. stuff. But yeah, Milwaukee's home base and it's heaven on earth, kind of. <laughs> the,
2: the right promised land. The right <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go Packers, right? And sister, Amen. where are you? I'm just on Twitter. I'm not a cool kid on any other social media platform. It's at, at one groovy nun. And, uh, you can find I've got a lot of videos on YouTube. You can see Father John and I are talk on YouTube and yep. you can find me there. And on our website, soul, dot net, there's a place where you could find, you could contact me there. So I'll be around too. So yeah. probably awesome. in a neighborhood near you at some point. For sure. And you're based
0: down in Texas, right?
2: I'm in the great nation of Texas. Yeah. Great so.
0: nation. That's <laughs> a good way to put it. So, uh, you're a big sports gal. Um, so yes. I say go Packers. Who's, who's your team? Ooh.
2: Well, I, from, because I'm from the Pacific Northwest, I am a Seahawks fan, you know, oh, just, but okay. it's hard being a Seahawks fan living in cowboy country. Can yeah, we just I talk would, about that? Like, know, that's another that, episode, but I, I could, I could be a Packers fan. I would transfer my allegiance or a Saints fan. Like, well, Saints see. fan,
0: come know. on. Drew Brees is the goat. <laughs> like, he just, I
2: know, can, dude.
1: He just passed, like, sur- Peyton yeah. Manning
0: oh, it's, it's a bit it's with between him and Joe Burrow, it's been a good week to be a Louisiana fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. We are celebrating all the things, including Jesus. Yeah, dude, so, cool. so, Thank so you guys nice. so much for the time. Um Such a Thank gift. You, Katie. I'm not kidding. One of these days we're gonna have a baby and we're gonna make we're gonna make Father John and Sister Miriam the godparents. Our friend Sarah Swafford has already done so, so I'll just I'll just be copying her. And I think it's pretty obvious in the conversation that we had, it's it's very evident, both the joy that these two people have in their life, the ministries that they have chosen, the vocations that they've been called to have have really given them the opportunity to live life to the full, to to have it abundantly, as Christ would say. But they've also been people who have sought healing in their life, who have sought to both forgive and to receive forgiveness in places that are necessary, and as such are able to give remarkable insights into how we can do that ourselves, into how we ourselves can, can seek that healing and can seek that forgiveness. Now, there were a few things that really stuck out to me that I I think are worth repeating. The first, of course, being that we're all walking wounded. We're all hurting in some way, whether it's the scar on our chin from when we fell at seven years old, whether it's the abuse that we suffered as a child, whether it's the abandonment, whether it's the immense amount of grief, whether it's the anxiety and the suffering and the stress that we carry every day, we're all walking around wounded. And there's this remarkable idea that You know, you don't judge a person until you know what kind of cross they're carrying. Another secular way to put it would be, well, you can't judge somebody until you've walked a mile in their shoes, until you know what they've actually struggled with and what they're actually carrying around. And and that's so true. We're all carrying remarkably heavy crosses. We're all walking around in battered and tattered shoes. and, And it's so important to see one another with the eyes of compassion and love. That if I know I'm wounded and I know you're wounded, then together in our woundedness, we can seek healing rather than one of us try to shove the other one down in an attempt to be better than the other really fascinating thing I think we talked about very much reiterates some of the stuff Tommy Ty said in, in last week's episode on grief, and that is it's important to feel our feelings. It's important to not act like we have it all together, but that sometimes the messiness and that, that hurt that we're carrying, it's important to be honest and vulnerable about that because that can be an avenue and a pathway to healing. Ultimately, though, I think what Sister Miriam and Father John really highlighted beautifully was this idea that finding healing from a mental health perspective is perfectly in line with what we teach and believe as Catholics, and that we find healing in one aspect of our life. It begins to heal every aspect of our life, that it's not this isolated experience, but that when we are in relationship with Jesus Christ and we seek healing in other areas of our life, and, and this is something we've said consistently, that Jesus Christ cares about that. Jesus Christ cares about the healing that we're looking for. Jesus Christ wants to help us find that. That Jesus Christ doesn't look at the wounded person and be like, man, that that must really be tough. I hope you can figure that out. But wants to hold our hand, wants to walk beside us, wants to pull us into that warm embrace and love us in the midst of that. I think this was the perfect episode to kind of complete our experience of Ave Explorers studying mental health. We've talked about a lot. We've had incredible conversations with so many wonderful people who've offered great insights. And just like we did uh, last season, we'll have a little round-out episode next week with kind of the clips and the highlights from some of the best episodes, just so that you can kind of rehash some of those things that were said. But here at the end, we do want to tell you about a new season that will be launching in just a couple of weeks, coming out on February 18th, the week before Lent begins. Ave Explores is going to do a quick little mini-series over the the days days of Lent, using this podcast to talk to spiritual writers, folks that are living the Catholic faith, and talk to them about how they're living Lent, what they're doing, why they're doing it, how they're growing, what they're seeing happening in their life as a result of their Lenten promises and commitments, and ultimately, hopefully, these conversations will help you walk through Lent with a more focused and open heart and mind. So that will be coming starting on February the 18th for every Tuesday following uh, during Lent before our next Ave Explorer series launches in April. So you can of course continue to, to subscribe to this podcast and you'll receive all those episodes right away. And to help more folks find all of the Ave Explorers content you can visit AveMariaPress.com find the articles and the videos that we've created as well as subscribe to this show and give it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've enjoyed it and we look forward to seeing you soon. The contents of AVE Explorers, such as text, graphics, images, and other material, are for informational purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition.